Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is the book of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Acrippus, our fellow soldier, the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but by your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends his greetings to you. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is God's holy word. Well, good morning again, everyone. Start finding Philemon, if you haven't already, in your, in your Bible. I was, uh, when I got up and did announcements, I was supposed to say uh, that tonight, U-Turn and Awana will be at 5 o'clock virtual. All right, everybody? A little commercial before we jump in. Awana and U-Turn, 5 o'clock virtual. Okay, Koinonia. Koinonia. This is the last sermon in our series on Koinonia. Hopefully by now, you're, you're kind of wrapping your mind around this word a little bit. Fellowship, sharing, partnership, participation. As we learned yesterday at our Saturday outdoor service, communion. In the King James, communion. And that's why we call the Lord's Supper communion. It's koinonia. It's fellowship. It's partnership, participation in Christ. And so today, we want to talk about um, reconciliation through koinonia. Reconciliation through 
koinonia. And so I want you to already start to be, start thinking about, as I, as I prayed a few minutes earlier, uh, where do you need to see reconciliation in your own life, in your own relationships? Or where can you be a minister of reconciliation in the lives of others? So start thinking about that. Um, you know, when we, we, we talk a lot around here about how here at Grace, we have a lot of different kinds of people, right? We have older people, younger people. We have black, brown, white people. We got uh, different political thoughts and beliefs um, all represented here. We have um, wealthy people, people struggling to, to rub two nickels together sometimes. Um, we got PhDs and GEDs and everything in between here at Grace. And we, we talk a lot and we work hard to help us to see how we are unified in Christ, right? That He is our commonality. Even when on paper, there might not be a lot of other commonalities, but in, in Christ, we have something in common. Well, in Paul's day, uh, I, I mean, we're talking here in this situation in Philemon, something even beyond probably anything that we can imagine today in our modern sensibilities. Philemon, imagine if the pastor of your church owned a slave, and then that slave steals from the pastor, runs away, finds Paul, of all people, who's in jail, locked up. This slave, Onesimus, gets saved, and Paul's solution, Paul's plan Send him back. Send him back to the same church. Now, how awkward is that? I mean, that's got to be the dumbest idea ever, Paul. Right? This is not going to work. Those, those two people cannot... Now, that's, so that's the culture. That's, imagine that being the culture you're living in. The Roman Empire is anywhere from one-third to 50% uh, slaves. And suddenly, here comes the gospel into the Roman Empire. Book of Acts. It's just sweeping across the empire. And so masters are getting saved and slaves are getting saved. Everybody's getting saved because guess what? The gospel's for everybody, isn't it? And now suddenly, masters and slaves are going, on Sunday morning, they're leaving the house, and they're walking down the street, and they're going to the same church together. Whew. We got people in churches that date each other, and when they break up, they say, now I got to find a new church, because I can't go to the same church with the guy I broke up with, Right? Imagine going to church with, the, with your slave master. Imagine going to church with your slave. Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Church is messy, isn't it? Church is messy. But the only way to, to work through the messiness of relationships is to understand koinonia, to embrace koinonia, fellowship in Christ. Reconciliation, as we have sung and heard from the book of Romans this morning already, reconciliation is the ministry of the Trinity. It is the ministry of God. It is the plan of God. Reconciliation is Christianity. Christianity is reconciliation. That's what it is. 
And so if you struggle with that, if you struggle with the concept of, I have to, I have to forgive, I, I have to pursue people that have hurt me, if you struggle with that, I pray today that your heart will be open to it as we work through this, this short letter together. Philemon is a test case in the gospel, the book of Philemon, this letter. It's a test case. Does the gospel actually work? And for us, it's a lesson. Paul gives us a lesson on how to guide to reconciliation. So that's my sermon title, How to Guide to Reconciliation. So this morning, I'm going to approach this more um, as, as sort of a how-to. How do you help two other people reconcile? Now, you might be sitting here this morning, and you're the one who needs to be reconciled to somebody. And so obviously, the sermon is still for you. Because everything I'm going to say, you can still obviously apply it, and Jesus can be the one that's doing the how-to. But for, but for many of us, maybe God wants to use you to help two other people reconcile. Okay, so that's, what we're going to, that's how we're going to kind of approach this today. We're going to see what Paul did, and then what can we learn? How can we do it? Now, here's what we know. We know that when this letter is written... To Philemon, Philemon is the pastor, one of the, pa- the elders at the church of Colossae, right? Paul addresses him and his wife and probably his son. Archippus is probably his son, and he's addressing them, and he's sending this letter to Philemon in the very hand of Onesimus, in the very hand of Onesimus. So what does that tell us about Onesimus? You see, when, when you read commentaries on Philemon, it can often come across as like Onesimus is, uh, is, the, is kind of the bad guy in the story, and Philemon is the super spiritual you know, pastor. But I want to I encourage you to understand, Onesimus has already come to grips with reconciliation. Otherwise, he's not going back, back home, is he? He's not going back home with this letter if his heart has not already been changed. And it has. It's not a letter to Onesimus. It's a letter to Philemon. Onesimus' heart, his heart has been softened. Paul could have looked at Onesimus and said, man, I think you need to go back to Philemon. And Onesimus could have said, forget that mess. I ain't doing that. Back to slavery? There's no way. There's no way. Not even, not even Jesus is worth that. He could have said that, but he didn't. He didn't. So, in your Bible, let's walk through this letter together. Verse 1, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Do you all see that? And the church. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This isn't anybody else's business except Philemon and maybe his wife and son. No. Paul's saying, no, this is everybody's business. Because church, listen to me. When there are broken relationships in a church, it hurts the whole church. When there are broken marriages in a church, it hurts the whole church, doesn't it? When parents and kids don't get along, it hurts the whole church. Do you understand that? Yes, yes, our faith is personal, but it is not private. It is not private, and it was never meant to be. That's fellowship. That's koinonia. Again, church is messy, and we bring that mess 
with us into the body. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, listen, that's not, a, that's not a throwaway verse. Oh yeah, he starts every letter that way. No, that's crucial. Because only when you receive grace and peace from God will you be able to pour out grace and peace to others. Do you believe that? Only as I understand God's grace to me, only when I understand, you know, Romans, <laughs> Romans 5, will I understand that I can then, therefore, be grace and peace to you. Verse 4, I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. So Paul is encouraging Philemon. Philemon is full of love and faith, isn't he? Verse 5, he's full of love and faith. Paul has seen this. Okay, and then comes verse 6 in our first lesson this morning. Lesson 1, appeal for reconciliation from our fellowship in Christ. Appeal for reconciliation from our fellowship in Christ. If you're going to help two people reconcile, start by appealing to koinonia. (laughs) Appeal to union with Christ. Appeal to their salvation, in other words. There's a lot of ways I could say this. So look at verse 6. Verse 6 is a very important verse. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. I pray that the sharing of your faith... Now, when you see that phrase, sharing of your faith, we use that phrase to mean like witnessing. That's not what it means here. Paul's not talking about Philemon witnessing. That's important, of course, but that's a different sermon. This is our word, koinonia. I pray that the koinonia of your faith, the fellowship of your faith, that, that, that you and Onesimus sharing the same faith, the same Savior, the same gospel, the same new life in Christ, I pray that that will become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that's in you from Christ. In other words, he's appealing to Philemon, if you have Christ in you, and therefore every good thing, can that come out of you? That's basically what he's saying. He's appealing to a shared life. And so I drew a picture, right? So here's Jesus up there at the top. Jesus is reconciled and has fellowship to every Christian, doesn't he? You can say yes to that. Yes. Jesus is reconciled and has fellowship with every Christian. Do you believe that this morning? Okay. So the question is, you can see my little question marks there. Can those Christians be reconciled and have fellowship with each other? And so if we believe that every Christian is reconciled and in fellowship with Christ, therefore, should we not also believe that every Christian is reconciled and should be, should be reconciled and be in fellowship with every other Christian? That's the logic. You know, that's the premise. Can we believe it? Can we 
accept it. Listen, there's no easy answers here. There's no easy answers to relational conflict. Paul could have adopted easy answers. You know what, Onesimus? This whole slavery thing is messed up. It's really, God never intended for people to be slaves, so why don't you just stay with me? Philemon doesn't even have to know. He could have said that, right? Or he could have strong-armed Philemon and said, hey, Philemon, you owe me. I'm keeping your slave, and I'm going to set him free. Or he could have said, you know, Christians are all just a bunch of hypocrites anyway. I love Jesus, but not the church. <laughs> he could have said all those same kind of excuses that you and me say when, as soon as it gets messy, right? As soon as church gets messy, ah, they're all just a bunch of hypocrites. I'll, I'll just be spiritual on my own. I'll go walk in the woods, and I'll meet, I'll meet, I'll meet God, you know, in the woods. I don't need other people to be a part of that. But that's not the gospel, is it? So let me ask you, have you given up on a Christian or a church because it got too messy? Have you ever given up on a Christian? Have you ever given up on a church when it got hard? Now, I can honestly stand in front of you and say, I have been very tempted to give up on people all the time. I'm very tempted to give up on church all the time. I have walked away from ministries because it got messy. Or I got offended. I have done that in my past. I have quit on, on serving in certain ways because of that. I can honestly tell you that as a pastor for the last, whatever it's been, 13, 14 years, uh, that you know, th there's several dangers to the, to the church today. One of the biggest dangers in the church today is consumerism. But that's not today's sermon. This, uh, another huge danger in the church today is conflict, the inability to manage conflict or disagreement. How many people have walked away from this church or any church without a goodbye, without a conversation, without a confrontation, just because it felt easier, it was more comfortable? That's not a good way to walk away from a church, is it? Is it? Here's the truth, though. The mess is what tests our fellowship in Christ, isn't it? That's what Paul is doing in this letter. He's not taking the easy solution. He's not taking the easy path. He's not avoiding or hiding. He's not strong-arming. He's not going to put anybody under law. He's going to say, listen, do we actually believe in fellowship? And if we do, if we actually believe what that word is, if we actually believe in that, that truth that we are in Christ, if we actually believe that, can we do the hard work that it takes to be reconciled to one another? Without the mess, we have no proof that the gospel actually works, do we? We're just a club. We might as well be like any other organization or, or group or country club or whatever you want to call us. Richard Lucas says it this way, all that we need for full reconciliation with God is in Christ. I think all of us would have no problem with that half of the statement. And then he says, and all that we need for full reconciliation with others is in Christ. I think the question is, do we believe that second half? 
Most of us, if you're a Christian, if you're sitting in here today and you're a Christian, you believe the first half of that statement. Christ has reconciled me to God. That's what being a Christian is, believing that. But do you believe the second half? That if I am reconciled to God in Christ, that means I have everything I need inside of me to reconcile with others. I have everything I need to do it. I have every power, every motivation to be able to do that. Lesson two. Lesson two. Appeal for reconciliation from the love inside of the Christian's heart. Appeal for reconciliation from the love that is inside of the Christian's heart. Okay, so obviously this... this, this only works if, if we're trying to reconcile Christians, okay? This only works if we're trying to reconcile Christians. If I'm, if I'm trying to reconcile somebody who's not a Christian, my first step, obviously, is to show them how to be reconciled to God, right? That's, that's, I, I don't, I'm not even worrying too much about all the other things as much. I'm worrying about how can I point them to a reconciliation through Christ to God. Verse 8, look at verse 8, Philemon 8. Accordingly, though, I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required. 9, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. What's Paul saying? He's saying, look. I'm an apostle. Like, I'm an apostle. I could just tell you what to do, and you should do it. I could appeal to you. I could give you a command. Philemon, here's what you're going to do. Onesimus is here. He's holding the letter. You're reading the letter. You're looking at Onesimus. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to welcome him back in. You're going to give him his old job back. Or better yet, you're going to set him free. That's what you're going to do. And you're going to like it. He could have done that, but he doesn't do that. He says, I want to appeal to your love. Now, he's already twice told Philemon that he sees him as a person full of love. Verse 5 and verse 7, he's already said, Philemon, I know you got love inside you. And listen, Christian, you can look at any other Christian and confidently say to them, I know that you have love inside of you. Because Romans 5 also says that the Holy Spirit is constantly pouring the love of Christ into every Christian's heart. Galatians 5 says that the fruit of the Spirit, which every Christian has, the Spirit, that the fruit of that Spirit is love, peace. So Christian, if, you are, if you're mediating between two Christians, you can look at either one of them and you can confidently look them in the eye and say, I know you've got love in you. I know it's in there. I mean, maybe we got to do a little chiseling, right? Maybe we got to peel back some of that onion, but I know it's in there. I know it's in there. I can appeal to that. We have to ask, what's our motivation for reconciliation? Is it just command, a command or is it love? What's the power behind our reconciliation? It's love. It's the love of God. It's the love of God. In Colossians, Philemon's church, the church he pastors, Colossae, in Colossians, Paul has already written to them and said, 
Chapter 3, verse 14, above all else, finish it with me, above all else, put on love. Oh, we need to learn Colossians. Pastor Mark, we got to get in Colossians. Above all else, put on love. Philemon's already heard that. <laughs> He's already read that letter. Christian, it's in you. It's in you. Verse 14. Look at verse 14. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. He's repeating the same concept. I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I'm not trying to make you my slave. That's basically what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I could boss you around. I'm not, I'm not trying. He, back in verse 8, he's, or verse 9, he again repeats that he's a prisoner. Paul's saying, look, I know what it's like. I know where Onesimus sits. I know what it's like to be bound to someone. I know what it's like to be in slavery. And Philemon, I'm not going to turn you into that. I'm not going to make you my slave. And make you do something. I want this to be from your own accord. And so here's what we can ask. Here's what we can ask in helping people reconcile. We can ask this question. Can you see this as an opportunity to love as you have been loved by God? That's a great question to ask as you're, as you're kind of helping people wrestle through a relationship, a conflict. Because that's what it is. What every conflict is an opportunity, isn't it? Not an opportunity to run. The struggle, listen, if your marriage is struggling right now and you're in a state of despair and you're feeling like you got to quit or get out, I'm standing here this morning and telling you, no, you are in the middle. You are exactly where God wants you to be because you are at the crossroads of a tremendous opportunity to decide that the love of God, the love that God has for you, you're going to let it flow out of you towards that very hard-to-love spouse or that very hard-to-love roommate or that very hard-to-love boss or that very hard-to-love mother-in-law or that very hard-to-love church member or whatever. Pick your relational conflict. This is an opportunity for God's love to flow out. And if you are a Christian, you will not reject those opportunities. You will not reject those opportunities. You will say, yep, praise God. This, is, this conflict is a chance for God's love to flow out. Lesson three. Lesson three. Help both parties see the providence of God's grace in the midst of the conflict. Help both parties see the providence of God's grace in the midst of the conflict. It's in verse 15, this little word in verse 15. Perhaps. Perhaps. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, no longer as a slave, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Perhaps. What if? What if this conflict, this struggle, this trial, 
what if God is actually using it for good? Have you considered that? Have you considered, like Joseph, in his mega struggle, right? You remember that story, right? We preached through that for months. Joseph, one of the biggest relational struggles in human history with his family, his brothers, his father. And at the end of it all, he could allow his mind to go to this. What if what you meant for evil, God actually used for good? Perhaps. And it's not even a perhaps, is it? It's not even a perhaps. If Onesimus never runs away, if he never rips you off, if he never steals money out of your wallet, Philemon, and takes off, maybe he never makes it to me, and maybe he never gets saved, and maybe he never becomes your brother. Will you receive him as a brother? Can you see? And so ask this question. How can you see God at work in your heart through this conflict? There's a hundred ways to ask this question. A hundred ways. Just something as simple as, can you see God at work? Just asking it that simply. Can you see God at work in this conflict? Yes, yes, your marriage is rough and you're arguing, but where is God at work? Can you see God at work? Are you so blind to it? Ah, but can, or can you see it? Or ask it this way, what do you think God is doing to your heart, doing in your heart through this? What is God showing you? What is God peeling away? Where's God challenging you? You have to be able to look at people and ask that kind of question in your small groups or over, you know, when you're having coffee or just in your own heart, even in your own time with God. Faith, not sight. What's God doing? And then lesson four. This is our last one, and this is our deepest one. We're landing our koinonia series on, we're going to go into the deepest level of koinonia right now. So wake up, okay? If you've been sleeping, this is it. Wake up. Verse 17. Demonstrate Christ's intermediation. So intermediation, being a go-between, coming between two people. That's what that word means. Big fancy word. Mediator, intermediation. So we're coming between everything we've been talking about. But here's, here's, where, I'm, here's where we're going to go. You are acting, when you do that, you are acting as Christ. You have an opportunity to act as Christ, okay, to the two parties. Paul is taking on the Christ role for Philemon and Onesimus. That's what he's doing. And he can do that because of koinonia because they're all connected. So verse 17. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. And guess what the word partner is there? Koinonas. Same same word, same root word. If you consider me your partner, Philemon, receive Onesimus as you would receive me. Paul is basing this this concept that we can stand in the place of one another on, on verses like this. It was in the song we sang, Second um, Corinthians 5.21, For our sake he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We call that the great exchange, right? 
Jesus takes on us, we take on Jesus. Jesus takes on us, we take on Jesus. Jesus is interchangeable with us. His sin, I mean, our sin became his, his righteousness became ours. In Romans 12, Paul will say it this way. We're, we, are, we are many, but we are one body in Christ. Individually, we are members one of another. That means way more than just, oh, we get along, or we try to play nice. It's a way deeper thought. We are members one of, we're connected. We're connected. And in Colossians, he said it this way. This is the deepest of all. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, uh-oh, slave, free. Ooh, that applies, right? <laughs> By the way, Philemon's also read those words already before he gets this letter. But Christ is all and in all. Folks, we will spend eternity contemplating that phrase. Christ is all and in all. Christ is the source of everything, and Christ is the end of everything. Everything, everything finds itself, finds its being, finds reconciliation in Christ. Whew. And we could talk about that all day. And so back to our picture. If we are reconciled to Jesus, if we are reconciled and in fellowship with Jesus... Can we not, should we not, fight for reconciliation and fellowship amongst each other? Hopefully your heart's answer is, yeah, I'm starting to see it. I'm starting to see it. You see, when you reject any Christian, uh, this is a, this is a, what I'm about to say this is a big statement. To reject any Christian is to reject Christ. To, to set aside any believer is to set aside Jesus. Brady, that's too, that's too much. That's too much. I don't think it's too much. I was thirsty, you gave me water. I was hungry, you gave me food. I was in prison, you visited me. Jesus, when were you all those things? When you did it for each other, you did it for me. It's the whole book of 1 John, folks. Can't say you love God and then not, not love each other. It just doesn't work. And it's all rooted in this concept. And so what Paul will do is he'll spend a lot of this letter making himself connected to both Onesimus and Philemon. Look at verse 10 real quick. We'll, we'll, I'm going to fly through these real quickly, just kind of show you what Paul's doing. In verse 10, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus. He's showing his connection to Onesimus. I'm his father, his spiritual father. Verse 12, I am sending him back to you, Philemon. I'm sending my heart. Paul is saying, I'm connected to Onesimus. Me and Onesimus are one. 13, I would have been glad to keep him in order that he might serve me on your behalf. Oh, now he's connecting Onesimus to Philemon. He's saying, hey, Philemon, when Onesimus was with me, I saw that as you being with me. Onesimus was you to me. What? 14, 
I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. Forever. No longer as a bondservant, more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother. As a beloved brother in the Lord. 18. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge it to my account. You see what Paul's doing? He's, he's, he's doing the triangle. He's connecting all three of their lives. He's saying our three lives are so connected, anything you do to one of the others, you're doing it to the other two. Do you see that? Oh, does Onesimus owe you money? I'll pay it because me and Onesimus, we're, we're one. Charge it to my account. 19. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you and the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Philemon, the way you treat Onesimus will refresh my heart. You see, Paul isn't appealing. This is huge. This is huge. Paul isn't just appealing to Philemon to have good Christian morals or good Christian character, which is the way we do it all the time. It's not what he's appealing to. He's not saying, he's not saying, Philemon, do the right thing, for goodness sake. You see, when you appeal to another Christian that way, you're just appealing to their pride. You're, you're actually appealing to the flesh. Hey, don't you know what you should do in this situation? You should apologize. You should forgive in this situation. That is not what Paul is doing. He's going a level deeper and he's saying, Philemon, let's understand what is happening in our lives in Christ. Let's understand what we share in Christ. That's what he's appealing to. He's appealing to fellowship in Christ. So let me ask you, who might benefit from this great exchange today in your life? Where can you, look, and I'm not, this is not a sermon about get up in everybody's business. Let me make that clear. Paul wasn't just getting up in random people's business. He's already spent years building relationships with these two men, or at least months building relationships with these two men. So this isn't me saying that you should be going around getting into everybody's business. But a lot of you have been in a small group for for months or years. A lot of you have been in relationships for months and years. Maybe it's time to ask, God, can you use me to help bring restoration, bring reconciliation? Who can you appeal for? Who can you go to and say, hey, Hey, have you considered so-and-so? Have you considered that they are also in Christ? Have you considered that this is a chance for you to love them? Who do you need to do that for? Today, tomorrow, this week, this month? Whose debt can you assume? How can, how can you pay for some, help pay off something that maybe somebody owes? either physically, monetarily, or, or emotionally? Who might you receive into friendship 
which might help bridge a gap between two other groups. Have you thought about that? You know, a lot of times, this, this group, this person, doesn't A doesn't like C. Well, maybe as, as person B, by befriending both, you can bridge a gap. Have you considered that? How about you personally? Who do you need to reconcile with today? Who do you need to start seeing as if they are Jesus himself? And that's the language Paul uses throughout his writings. Husbands, love your wives as Christ. Wives, respect your husbands as Christ. Slaves, obey your masters as Christ. Masters, treat your servants well as Christ. We treat each other as Christ, don't we? Our koinonia demands that we no longer set people aside or give up on people, especially Christians, especially believers. In fact, it demands the exact opposite, that we don't quit, that we throw ourselves into the mess, that we embrace it. You say, well, Brady, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve it. Well, let me quote the great theologian Wonder Woman, who at the end of her first movie said, it's not about deserve, it's about love. It's not about deserve. It's about love. And let me ask you this. What has Christ done for you when you didn't deserve it? Are you deserving it today? Did you earn your koinonia with God today? (laughs) Have you somehow figured it out and gotten it right? Or is he relating to you with abundant grace and mercy? So, if that's how God is relating to you, not from deserve, but from love, he loves you because he loves you. If God is doing that, can you do the same? Let me ask you this. Have you received God's love? Have you received God's grace? Maybe you're listening to me this morning and you need to start there. You need to start with be reconciled to God. (laughs) Maybe you've never taken care of that. Maybe you are still an enemy of God. You still see God as the one who's against you or or maybe you still see God as the one that that you've got to appease or pay off with your good deeds. That is, not, that is not the relationship God wants with you. Yes, God is holy and righteous and perfect, but He sent His Son to pay your debt, to reconcile with you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Pastor Andrew read it earlier. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you received that? Have you said yes to that? God has said yes to that. God has said to the whole world, I love you and I am ready to reconcile with you. But reconciliation is always a two-way street, isn't it? Forgiveness is a one-way street. I can forgive anybody, anytime, anywhere, but reconciliation is a two-way street, isn't it? Both parties have to reconcile. God has already said yes to reconciling with you. Will you say yes to Him? Will you say yes to Him? And if you have said yes, so Christian, 
if you have said yes, will you then offer that reconciliation to others and go between and help bring people's hearts back together? Let's pray. Father, you are the greatest reconciler of all time. And you did it unconditionally. You did it, you did it just freely. You did it because you wanted to, because you love us. Like I said, you love us because you love us. You don't love us because we're good. You don't love us because we figured it out. You're not, you don't love us because we, we've earned it or worked harder or hardest for you. God, you have said yes to us out of the great glory and mercy in your heart that flows out of the Trinity. God, may we be reconcilers. May we embrace the ministry of reconciliation. May we understand what koinonia actually means and the deepest, deepest truths connected to it, that because we are reconciled and in fellowship to Jesus, therefore we can be, should be, and actually are reconciled and in fellowship with one another. May we live like it. May we live like it. Help us to guide each other in this journey, Father. Give us, give us the courage, the wisdom, the patience. Help us to embrace the mess. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.